Space fans, and welcome to another episode of the Supercluster podcast. I am Jamie Carrero, and I'm here with my friend and colleague, Robin C. Mangle, as usual. Our special guest on this episode is Ashley Walker, who is a PhD student in atmospheric chemistry and astrochemistry at Howard University, and also the founder of the Black and Astro Movement. Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome, Ashley, and thank you for that wonderful introduction, Jamie. At Supercluster, we love to highlight some of the stronger voices in our community that are really taking action, not only on the science front, but the social front. As we've all been well aware, the last couple of years have seen a lot of movements pop up around race and social movements around race. And last year, we had protests across the country. The George Floyd incident had caused a huge backlash in which Police brutality has really just gone unchecked for a very long time in the United States. And uh, the George Floyd murder really brought that to the surface again. And it created a national and almost international conversation from this one horrific event. And Ashley, I want you to tell us about, I know we're going to get into science, we're going to get into space, but I wanted to briefly talk about uh, the Black and Astro movement. Because I know that's probably what is on people's minds right now. The George Floyd uh, trial was recently, and the police officer was found guilty. Ashley, where how, and how far has this movement come since you started it? So I founded the Black and Astro movement, like you said, in light of the recent police killings of Black people and also other police violence when it comes to Black, black and Brown people in the U.S. And so... The Black and Astro movement, one of the challenges that we face as Black Americans and also as Black people in academia and academic spaces and industry and so many different intersections that we just face so much harassment. And so we're looking at the harassment of Black people all over, right? You know, the Black and Astro movement, which is my baby. And I didn't expect it to go international like that. I did not expect it for that to happen. I just was like, hey, this is a thing. I saw how Black, I was inspired by Black Birders Week. I was inspired by Black and STEM, which was founded several years before the Black Next movement. And Dr. Page, Dr. Stephanie Page, who founded the um, Black and STEM movement, I'm very appreciative of her because she gave us a hub. She gave us a hub to find each other on social media. And so Black and Astro is is definitely a community that wants to continue supporting people of the space family, whether you're in aerospace, space policy, you're a space teacher, you're in industry, you work at NASA or any other government agencies, right? And so we want to, you know, showcase that we are here and that we matter and that we're very important. And so right now we're in a planning stage of this year's Black and Astro Week. Oh, really cool. And I wanted to shout out Naya Butler-Craig, who is another PhD student, aerospace engineer, who works in the industry. She's a Forbes uh, 30 under 30. And we've had her on the show before to talk about this very subject. And she could not do so without speaking about you, Ashley. And one of the main reasons we wanted to have you on the show is because of this movement. But I want to dial it back now because we're going to get back to this topic. And I want to go back to you as a scientist. And I want to talk about your interest in science and space. And let's go back before college. Did you have an interest 
in science or space exploration in your high school or elementary school days. And as a, a young black person, do you feel like that stuff was communicated to you in your school or was that something that was available to you as a young minority? So growing up, I wanted to be a moon and everybody was like, what? Why do you want to be a moon? <laughs> Jamie and I would never say what. We'd be like, yeah, no. we're, we're into that. Yes. Yeah. Every, everybody, everybody loves like, the moon. Because yeah. the way that my house, the way that it shined through my bedroom, right? And my uncle got me a ruby red telescope when I was five. And so he's, nice. he oh, sparked wow. my interest. Okay. And he's a big comic book fan. And so he loves anything about the universe. You go talk to him. You, if you will talk to him, you'd be like, okay, why is this guy an astronomer, right? But we all know the reason, mm-hmm. right? And so for, for me, my family was very actually supportive. My parents were trying to make sure I did tap jazz ballet, but they also supported me and made sure that my aunts in the summertime will take us to Aller Planetarium, which is um, America's first planetarium. And it's an amazing place. beautiful. And so um, yeah. I always said I wanted to go back. And then there was a, a great deal of time where I didn't go back until I was in college. And, and I became an astrochemist. And so. Can you tell us your uncle's name? Uh, my uncle's name is Calvin Taylor. We have to shout him out because that's such an awesome thing to give a young person a telescope and and just spark that interest. Uh, I'm a comic book fan and I grew up also having a little telescope when I was a kid. And let me tell you, it makes all the difference. Uh, Clearly in your case, it's brought you pretty far. It it definitely, it definitely does. Oh no, he's bragging about it now. Oh my God. He's bragging about it. He's bragging about it. Oh my God. He's bragging about it. (laughs) So he's like, I did that. I did that. He deserves it. Every family event, I did that. <laughs> I, have a, I come from a huge family, and so mm-hmm. um, my mother has my mother had twelve brothers and sisters, and so wow. um, and my, it's hard to stand out. And my yeah. father so to, and my father was telescope. exactly, and my father was the oldest of twenty one. So <laughs> it's, it's a huge family, and oh so exactly, it's a huge family, and so he, you know, he's he he was bragging, and but but moving forward, when I got to high school. Although I wanted to be Beyonce's choreographer, um, <laughs> I, I, no, I really wanted to be Beyonce's choreographer when she started doing her own thing after Destiny's Child. However, I had a, a teacher. Her name is Miss Perrin, and she taught at my high school. And I will pay attention in earth space science, although we will talk about other things and be gossiping like girls do. But like high schools do, we gossip and stuff. But there was something about Miss Parents' class that made me that I was so you know excited about it, right? And so I ran into her in, at two, in 2017 when I was on my way to one of my internships. This one being Harvard, and so I ran into her and I told her what I was doing. She had retired, but she was so ecstatic to see this. And so growing up, you know, in school, in in my elementary school, they'll tell us, yes, you can be what you want to be because I went to parochial school. So I went to a parochial school on the South side of Chicago. They'll tell us like, you can be whatever you want to be. But however, the only person that I can look to, right. And this isn't a bad thing, but the only person that I knew of that I can see myself in space is Mae Jensen. 
and who was Mae Jemison, who was, you know, yeah. she's amazing. She's an incredible human she's being. She's amazing. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, that was just like, that was the only person that I knew of at my time. The good thing, she, I mean, she was such a, a goalpost exactly. for so many young black women. Exactly. And I, I just feel like young black men too. And And I think that it's because she was one of the first, you know, she was a, a pioneer and that's the whole purpose of getting folks who don't look like your typical astronaut exactly. into the industry, into space, because you don't know who that person is going to inspire and influence. And Mae Jemison, I think it's been proven that so many people have come behind her. And she's oh, from yeah. Chicago. That was like a beautiful. And so I, you know, as, as time progressed, which we'll probably talk about a little bit later, but as time progressed, I started meeting other beautiful, amazing black women and non-binary folks that just inspire me to do so much more. It's amazing. So when did yeah. you decide that? So, you, you know, you made your way to college Correct me if I'm wrong here. You were one of the first to get that type of degree from your university, right? Correct. 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 What was it? Um, I'm the first person at Chicago State to become an astrochemist. No other chemistry major or physics major did astrochemistry research. Wow. And so, and but, the, but you know, it, it, thank you. It was, you know, I was just kind of shocked because I was just like, what? <laughs> how did the institution react did they have this the structure in place they're very celebratory and so, oh, so good, good. when i first got there first and foremost let's let me back up a bit i started off at junior college so i spent some i'm a non-traditional student so i spent some time in junior college i told y'all i want to be beyonce's choreography i thought i was playing i was so serious Oh no! Wait, I, I didn't think you were joking at all. Well, these, these things can mix together. You can be the moon, be a dancer, and also study the moon's chemistry. Right? That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and, and so, being you know, I wanted to be Beyonce's choreographer, and so my thing was to study business and dance. I think everybody that goes in the college wants to study business and then figure out, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Right? Yeah. And so, Pretty common. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I. You know, I started that and then I was doing it because uh, a friend of mine was killed, shot and killed right before prom, oh, no. before my prom. And I'm so, so um, I wanted to show a way for, you know, students, kids, whoever to get out of harm's way, looking at gun violence and so on and so forth. And that was something that I, that was, that I really wanted to do and open up a dance studio. However... During that time, the market was kind of shaky and everything was wild. We, I think, I've heard You're talking about like the time of the housing crisis exactly. and like 2008, like 2008. Yeah. yes. And yeah. um, we we talk pretty daily here about not not us, but like the news. You'll always see Chicago as a place where gun violence is really highlighted, mm-hmm. um, and, and you know for whatever reason it it's in the news. It's, you hear about it. Right. And I think it's a constant conversation. But what Ashley is saying here, and this isn't a couple of years ago, she's talking about a, a long time ago. And it just goes to show that, you know, how much things have changed or have not changed, um, depending on your opinion. Exactly. I follow that stuff because my brother lives in Chicago, not too far, far from the South Side. And do you think that growing up in Chicago and having this experience where your, your friend was shot and killed, 
you think it pushed you to sort of pursue opportunities that would take you out of that area or take you out of a, a situation that could get you in harm's way? Yes and no. And I say yes because I want to be safe, obviously. No, because I love my neighborhood. I've been in my neighborhood. My family has been in Inglewood for almost 60. They have been in Inglewood for 60 years. And so we still have the same family home, everything. And And you still live there today. Right. I still live here today. Yep. I still live here today. And so for me, it's, it's comfort because... I know everybody. Everybody knows me. <laughs> you still got the yeah. hometown vibe. Right, and you're now this, right. Exactly. Are you the space person in your <laughs> community and family? Are you the one preaching the good word of space absolutely. to everyone Ab- around you? I mean, absolutely. <laughs> but most people just know me as Ashley because, or in my Nana's case, Kitty. And so um, <laughs> that's another story from the day, but <laughs> I'm very tiny. You know, everyone just knows me as Ashley. And so it just feels being here in Chicago just feels right to me. I, I just love it here. And this is why I'm going to the DMV, right? Because it feels close like home. And so, so yeah, you, you mentioned during our pre-call that you were relocating to D.C. I live right across the bridge in Arlington. It's funny because after we chatted last week, I saw your tweet saying that you realize that everyone is either moving to DC or, or LA. And that is the exact case among my friend group, which are all space professionals too. So that's a conversation for another day, but it is very strange that everyone is either moving here or LA. <laughs> it's really funny. It is. Um, it is. It's hilarious. It, it kind of shows a movement of science and space industry too. Yes. Um, in terms of like, you know, uh, where you need to be to participate in certain projects one thing I wanted to ask you, uh, Ashley, to talk about your internships, because it's something we really get to talk about here. They are a very important part of any individual or professional's growth, especially in our industry. Can you just shout out some of your internships for us? Because I know you've done a couple of cool ones. Absolutely. Absolutely. I did one at Harvard where I worked with uh, Professor Karen Ober and Professor Elsa Cleves, where we did astrochemistry research on planet formation, protoplanetary disks, looking at ice chemistry. And so this is the first time I really started coding and I didn't know what I was doing, but they're like, we got you. (laughs) (laughs) And so it was, you know, it was, it was being under two amazing women who support, they support everything. Like, especially, oh my God, Elsa and Kyron, they really, really support me and I'm so grateful for them. And, and, and so that experience taught me a lot and it it and it helped me grow as a person. And that's something that I thought about as well today. And yeah. my next internship, I worked at Johns Hopkins in the phaser lab group where my interest on Titan began because I asked my friends that were at Harvard, we're in a Slack channel. And I just said, Hey y'all, I got three projects. This one, this one, Venus and Titan, early earth, Venus, exoplanet, Titan. And there, everybody said Titan and Venus. And then they were just like Titan. And I got yelled at if I didn't do Titan. And I can hear my friends to this day yelling through Slack, Titan is best. Titan is best. I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) People fight over these science missions pretty hardcore when the awards come out. So, yeah, I get it. (laughs) So they helped me. Like, you know, I came back to the advisor and I said, hey. My friends and I decided, concluded that Titan, because there's a lot of chemistry. And so I worked on aerosol analogs on Titan. 
And so we're just looking at this prebiotic chemistry and how it helps us understand a little bit more about our very own early earth, but, you know, and what's happening there. And it helped, you know, this project made me fall in love with Titan. And so I then went on to do a post internship at NASA Goddard Space Flight Center. Oh, doubling back. When I did, Ashley's done so much that we need to have a list to stand by <laughs> to make sure we have all. <laughs> well, doubling back really quickly, my senior thesis project was on Saturn's moon Titan, and so oh, that's, and that's what and that's what solidified me when I graduated undergrad. So, can you tell us what your your thesis statement was? We just mainly looked at the aerosol analogs. And so mm-hmm. we wanted to know, again, more so about the prebiotic chemistry. And I was learning how to understand infrared spectroscopy a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Because this was my first time actually, you know, getting to the nitty gritty of doing instrumentation. And so I was, I learned so much there. Shout out to Brene Hanat, who's also one of my co-organizers for Black and Astro, but she was also my partner on my project. That's amazing. <laughs> and Johns Hopkins. And so she was my partner on the project and she's also another uh, Black woman astrochemist. And so, oh my God, she's amazing. And so she was really, really helping me um, throughout the summer and making sure, and even a little bit past that when um, it was time for me to go on for my senior thesis project. And so we were just looking at data. And so we were realized, you know, I realized after reading so many papers that although I love Titan, Titan can be a jerk. And so it's very hazy there. It, it you know, it rains. It has stratospheric clouds, trophospheric clouds, just like we do here. Very, very similar. It has this dust, rocks, anything that you will think of that we have here. It pretty much has it there, but we believe that it, and it also has um, lakes and rivers and oceans, but we want to know more about it. And so that's why Dragonfly is being sent off in which Robin, you and I talked about this on how I bet it my graduate education on Dragonfly winning. <laughs> I bet my entire life on a reusable rocket. So I understand. <laughs> and so I bet it my graduate education on it. I mean, I won. I just want to know. I just you, want people to know that I won that bet. <laughs> you definitely know that, yes. And I want to. Talk, I want. I want the three of us to geek out a little bit about Dragonfly. Jamie, do you have you been following anything about this mission? It's kind of insane. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, ever ever since there was that funding round where they were like, "These are the next missions," and you know, we've decided what they are. You know, I kind of dove into what they day. all were. One thing, maybe this is skipping ahead, but one thing I want to ask you, Ashley, is how do you feel? just in your gut about the chances that we're going to find some kind of extremophilic microbial life, like some little, cause it just seems to me Give that every time Ashley, you just described this vision of a, obviously not the same as earth or, you know, all kinds of differences, but of many elements of earth environment that are there. And every single time we go to the most extreme environments on earth, we find some kind of worm or weird bug or something that's making that work. So how, how do you feel about that? I definitely, I'm definitely excited about it. And I'm so happy you explained it that way because, listen, as many times as I explain to people, they're like, what? I'm like, okay, <laughs> let me back it it's up. It's <laughs> kind of a really crazy, hard sci fi thing. It's, right. It's, 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 yeah. it's really, you know, it, you know I, I'm excited. I'm, I, I want to see more, especially in terms of what we could predict with what type of water that, that could be hosting there. 
and what could be under the methane and ethane lakes and, and rivers and oceans and so on and so forth. I want to know more about that. You know, I want to I want to see so much more. Again, I'm a Titan enthusiast, so I'm just like, oh, my God, it's so beautiful. Right. I'm really, really <laughs> excited. I, I'm definitely envisioning some type of massive discovery coming out of this mission. And what's the time frame, Jane? It's something like six years from now or something, or is it? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I, I recently read that they pushed it back. I think a year because mm-hmm. it was supposed yeah, to be two. Yeah, it was supposed to be two thousand and twenty-six, and now it's two thousand and twenty-seven. Not too bad. That's pretty short in, in space years. Absolutely. And like that's pretty short. Well, so. how does it? But yeah, just to go back to that for a minute, talking about the the time scales here, what does it feel like as someone who's so enthusiastic about this story of Titan to watch those developments, but also to have to wait so long, you know, because you you have this joy of knowing, I assume they're like, wow, I'm going to get to find so much about something that I've wondered about for so long. But, you you know, you're going to be in a whole different phase of your life, most likely when those questions are answered. Uh, What does that feel like? You know what? I was saying the same thing about my senior thesis. So <laughs> I'm definitely excited to see where this goes in the future. And I'm definitely excited to to know like whether scientists that I've read about were right or wrong or were these questions answered. So I'm 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 definitely excited to see what's next. What other science missions? So I know you're you're a fangirl for Titan. What other things in the in the solar system or even the universe have some interest for you is there other planets uh that fall second is there like a destiny's child for titan is there a couple more that are awesome <laughs> you know what I mean? like what because i'm look i love titan and i think the dragonfly mission is so science fiction and incredible and i, I can't wait to see it un- unfold over the next decade but also, I saw a really bad Netflix movie about Titan a couple years ago. Jamie, did you see this? It was like a humanity trying to create a habitable or you know, genetically engineered human to survive on Titan. And they talk oh, about the science a little bit. I don't think I did see this. What, it's what was really this bad. I think it's called Titan. Oh, no. <laughs> so I just recommended a bad movie on our podcast. And if you two watch it, I just just watch five minutes of it. But anyway. Oh, yeah. No, look at this. The Titan. The Titan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, a 2008 film directed by Leonard Ruff. I don't think I know who that is. <laughs> that's, why, that's why it was bad. <laughs> yeah. Sam, Sam Worthington was in it, though. You know, yeah. he's kind of big. From Avatar, yeah. Let's but see about the numbers. Like my, you know, I love seeing space and science and pop culture, but I hate when it's like, done the wrong way and it's the only thing about that one particular planet or moon or something yeah robin box office take for the titan 2.6 million oh lovely so no one yeah. saw it and ruined titan for them Good. right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what you guys are seeing here the best or the most exciting outcome for that mission to titan is finding some clues or some signature of microbial life and that would be incredible. I, I know there's been a, a wide consensus through the scientific community about where there where we might find life. Exactly. You know, or signs of, or signs of life. Right now we have perseverance on Mars looking for ancient signs of life, like signs that it was there at one point. We are talking about Europa Clipper. We're talking about, you know, what looking for Oh, so yeah. So let's geek out about this for a minute. Cause Europa is an ocean world underneath its uh, thin layer of ice. And because of the friction caused between 
its home planet and the moon Mm -hmm. and how they dance between each other. There's heat at the core of Europa. And, you know, when there's heat, ocean, salts, that is sort of a great place for life to flourish. We've seen it at the bottom of our ocean. Yeah, uh, all those lovely uh, vent worms. Exactly. Vent worms is a really great example. (laughs) And Enceladius is also a place people are saying that we, we should look for life. Uh, yeah, those those two are the places that I would love to continue studying, as well as mm. Venus and in, uh, in also exoplanetary atmospheres. Okay, so exoplanet atmospheres. We're looking at James Webb coming up. That's right. And James Webb is going to be one of those instruments. So Ashley, you're going to finish your PhD soon, and you're going to be asked to go join an, an incredible project somewhere, or you're going to pursue whatever project you want. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us your top three things that you might be interested in working on? Or, you know, what's your dream? Like, let's say you were the, you know, you could pick any scientific field of study or pursue one thing that you wanted to prove. What would that thing be? I want to look at, I want to continuously looking at the astrochemical compositions of clouds and hazes. Mm -hmm. Like, is that, does that yield like spectrum of light analysis? Yes. Or is yes, like, yes, okay, yes, so yes, I'm not, yes, see, I'm yes, not, yes, I'm not yes, completely yes, dumb. Yes. So it's like, <laughs> I was wondering, because I was thinking about James Webb and I'm like, how are we going to analyze or how are we going to determine that a planet millions of miles away, or billions of trillions of miles away and millions of light years away or whatever has X chemical, right. has nitrogen, has oxygen. Can you explain to me, a layman, how that works? So there, it depends on like which mission and so on and so forth. But so a lot of these missions have instrumentation on them that pick up signals. And so this helps us understand a little bit more. They have built-in instrumentation picking up chemical signatures. And so this helps us understanding a little bit more about what's going on in space. And and, and the, the shortest and the lamest <laughs> that I can mm-hmm. <laughs> So we have instruments on the spacecraft. It takes in the light. And if the, the light has a certain signal or, or right. signature, we can assume that, oh, that might be hydrogen. That might be Correct. nitrogen. That might be is, this is chemical. This? That Correct. Because they, okay. also, they also send it back, right? They also right. send this data back. And so they mm-hmm. have people looking into it. And so this is why I, I try to tell all the astronomers, you know, I love, I love my people in astronomy. But everyone knows I'm coming beating down a hammer. Everyone needs a chemistry course in their a chemist in their lab, right? Really? And so, oh, yeah. 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 Well, there's, yeah. I mean, this is kind of like an old argument, right? But all the chemists are being like, physics is just chemistry. And all the physicists being like, yeah, well, chemistry is just physics. And <laughs> arguing over, like, you know, and like, they're both right, you know? So go, going back to what you were saying, Ashley, about analyzing hazes and clouds. Mm-hmm. So, do you think, and, and are you talking about hazes and clouds on other planets, obviously, Correct. right? And yeah, is there anything that we can learn here on Earth that would help determine that? Like, because obviously these instruments, we built these instruments. I'm just so curious, like, and it's so science fiction to me <laughs> that like, well, me, we can look at the atmosphere of an exoplanet. That is Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this to see if I, I kind of have the thread is that I'm somewhat familiar with the idea of spectroscopy on the ground, like in a lab where you take some material and you shoot a a known light source at it. And then the way that the light 
bounces back to you, you know, the different wavelengths of light that come back, that's unique to a particular element or compound, right? Like, is that essentially what we're doing on like an astronomical scale? Correct, 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 correct. That's why we need the James Webb's telescope. Mm -hmm. Because some some of these places we can't, you know, obviously measure at certain points. And so we want to want to see that a little bit more. Okay, so you said that your number one dream project is analyzing atmosphere or clouds of exoplanets to see, and correct me if I'm wrong here, of their potentially habitable, right? Yes, yes. Other, yep, other habitable bodies, habitable zones, whether they're in our planet, uh, um, in our planet, in our <laughs> planetary system, or <laughs> in the exoplanetary system. So that's something that I am just, you know, interested in. I hope to one day become a PI of a planetary mission, mm-hmm. which I was really inspired by Dr. Zibby, who was over Dragonfly. I met her once, which I was just like, oh, my God, I was freaking out, y'all. Yeah, uh, PIs are like, they're superheroes and they're like Indiana Jones. My favorite is Dante Loretta, mm-hmm. who leads the OSIRIS-REx mission. Mm-hmm. That's the asteroid Benno. PIs are awesome folks, and I can definitely see you being a PI more than one time. This is a <laughs> prin- principal investigator. Principal right. investigator yeah. of a mission. Yeah, it's usually, yeah. not usually, but a lot of times what I notice, it's the head of a science department from a university that is partnering with NASA or someone that works directly for NASA or someone that works in an associated lab like John Hopkins. Correct me if I'm wrong there, Ashley. Is that kind of how it works? To become a PI? Uh, yeah. Or can anyone sort of, I feel like I've seen multiple different yeah, it's, kinds it's different of. Ty- yeah, 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 yeah. It's different types of uh, PIs. There's some coming from like other government. That's right. Other government other agencies gov- like NOAA. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's other government agencies. There's, you know, all sorts of folks that come together and are like, hey, this is a really cool thing. I think we should, you know, invest. Yeah. Give us some money, right? So we can invest <laughs> in this, right? right? So we yeah. can see. And so, like, that's definitely how it works. When I told my boyfriend I want to be a PI, he thought I wanted to be a private investigator. That's <laughs> <laughs> what most people would think when you hear yes. that word. You're going you're gonna to solve mysteries about astrochemists. I said, no, wait. The funny, part, like, the funny part, I said, the first thing I thought about was the TV show Cheaters. That was the first thing I thought about. Man, yeah, yeah. Except it's like it's like CSI meets cheaters, where it's everything. Yeah, everything is deep science. I got cheating on another planet. Endless drama. Exactly. It was. I felt. I felt. I felt that way. I said he was like, "Oh, I said I want to be a PI," and he was just like. A private, I said, a principal. You know what? That was my bad because I should not be the one using terms like that without explaining them. Because when I started in space, I was the person that did not know any of those terms. You know what I mean? And and I just think when I use it, I I should explain it. So I apologize to everyone listening for (laughs) throwing PI out there. It does not mean private investigator. I love that. You know, that moment though where like just in that split second he's getting ready to be supportive of this complete 180 and you're like <laughs> he's like, he's like uh, yeah yeah sure <laughs> anyway that's yeah, what, I, mean, I love that's great he's still supportive but he's like he's really learning like the terms of science because he'll look at me and he'll be like 
talk to me like I'm a two-year-old. Like English. <laughs> that's what, I mean, that's what I say to my space friends. Please talk English at me. I don't know these terms. Of, I'm not doing the hours of research you guys are. Bless you for that. Because you guys have to communicate this to the rest of us. Oh, yeah. We brought up pop culture earlier. Here at Supercluster, we love talking about popular culture. And I wanted to put you on the spot real quick and ask you if there's anything that you watched, TVs, movies, books, comics, anything that pushed you along, anything that gave you a little inspiration, anything that were science related that you found was awesome and may have had a little impact on you. And we know Beyonce already. Exactly. Beyonce is God. Uh, and <laughs> I, influence you need, but is there any others? Um, so I used to watch Nickelodeon all the time, right? Nickelodeon. Okay. I used to watch one Saturday morning when I used to have Steve mm-hmm. Irwin and oh, everyone yeah. in the morning times. I used to watch them. I used to watch Power Rangers. All these, you know, I used to watch all these oh, things. Power Rangers. And I, I especially used to watch Bill Nye, right? Oh, yes. And so <laughs> I used to watch Bill Nye, a little bit of Carl Sagan, but it, oh, I'm telling my age here. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but on, on, on Blu ray, yeah, watching it, watch it on Blu ray last yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Age, but I'm pretty sure all three of us are kind of the same age, just based on this conversation. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. The we're making, I was like, oh, we've, we've pretty much dated ourselves. Let me but tell I wanna... you what I think about Michael Dukakis while we're at it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, yeah, we, we just talked about the mortgage crisis earlier. That was the thing that dated us, guys. Um, but look, I, I think I think Jamie and I might be in full agreement here. Uh, some of those things you named, Bill Nye was still part of our lives in the space community and space industry, still doing work out there. Uh, Power Rangers is a huge influence on me growing up. I love space and any any TV show or movie that takes place there, whether they're fighting giant robots or dinosaurs, or whatever, I'm into it. And I forgot, yeah. I forgot Captain Planet was oh my, god, my yes. oh my god that was my that was my show that was my show yeah yeah that is sailor moon oh you couldn't tell me anything and sailor moon actually <laughs> has a movie coming out very soon so i'm, I'm definitely oh wow that. i don't know if you guys saw it but funny or die did a don Cheadle as captain planet spoof and they did like three episodes i highly recommend it oh my god it's if captain <laughs> planet played by wow. don Cheadle, and if captain planet finally lost his goddamn mind <laughs> it's really funny. He's just like turning everyone into trees. <laughs> yeah, one one other thing that that really resonates with me is you mentioned Steve Irwin because one of my Robin knows this, but one of my interests outside of space is just wildlife, animals, and wildlife photography and videography and exploring the wilderness and finding you know going to a place I've never been and seeing a creature I've never seen is about as close as I feel like I can get I can get to visiting another planet. Like it it brings Great. up some of that same feeling. So I really feel like my enjoyment of that is connected to why I'm so fascinated by space. It's just I don't know what's around the next corner even here on Earth in certain places. Absolutely, absolutely. I love I you know, I low key love wildlife and I especially I, st- I you know, I said this I want to say about a year or so ago on Twitter and I was like I want to study big cats in astrochemistry. And then everyone starts sending me these memes of cats in space. Oh, oh yeah. Well, you can tell them you have to go to where the big cats are because there's not a lot of light pollution because it's out in the middle. You oh, know? yeah. That's yeah. So maybe point. that you yeah. can write your grants and be like, okay, the cats I mean, are migrating here. <laughs> so you guys go. I'm going to So you guys go ahead. Jamie's got the experience <laughs> to do that. Right. 
Ashley, uh, when we did our prep call for this, we said that we would talk about all the things that we did. And I want to wrap up this show by talking about something you and I discussed already is other folks in the Black and Astro movement and some of these extraordinary individuals who are making headway. We wanted to shout a couple out. So Ashley, yes. can you tell us about some of your friends? Because they're, and we're going to, and the folks you name now, they are going to be on this podcast <laughs> at some point. Because, you know, we had Naya on, that episode is really great. It was focused on, so it was talking about Black and Astro movement and talking about what it's like to be a, a Black person in aerospace. And it was such an interesting conversation. If you're listening to this podcast, I would very much go back to the uh, being a black in, in aerospace episode that we did with Naya. It's very enlightening. And, and so is this conversation. And I wanted Ashley to talk about her friends because the way she does it, it is such, I mean, you're hyping them. And that's what the Black and Astro movement is about, right? So Absolutely. tell us about these amazing folks. So some of these amazing folks are, they're phenomenal. First of all, my team is phenomenal. We, after almost every meeting, we have powwow time where we can talk about any and everything. And so I just love that we're so family oriented. It's really important. I want to give a huge shout out to Keyshawn Ivory. That is my baby. That's my little brother. I love him because he and I, once, you know, I do planetary missions and stuff like that, but we're also starting the People of Color Planetarium, which will be dedicated to only people of color and showing that our contributions within space alongside with my best friend, Elizabeth Gutierrez, who is, she should be coming on board soon with Black and Astro very soon. And so, you know, the three of us have been, we had this idea for years. I also want to shout out my lead co-organizer, Caprice Phillips, who is at The Ohio State University, earning her PhD, and she does exoplanets, and I love her to death. She is my backbone. I also, I shouted out Brene earlier, who, um, Ms. Brene Hanat, who um, got her master's from Johns Hopkins, um, and she is uh, currently a writer, and she's also a co-organizer for um, Black and Astro. Um, another fellow writer, Katrina Mettler, who helps us write at Black and Astro, who is a PhD candidate at the University of Chicago, and, and getting her PhD in physics. And she's like one of like three or four black women there getting her PhD there. So she's she's very incredible, right? Also joining our team is Dr. Jamila Pegues, who just recently received her PhD in astronomy, becoming the first black woman at um, Harvard. She and I were in the same group together, and she's also the first Dope. black woman to get a PhD to earn a PhD in astrochemistry in the U.S. That's an insane. Hey. We, we talked. We talked about this, and it blew my mind hearing you say it again. Yes, like blew my mind. Like, like, I'm, like I'm one of, sort of like, like she's the first. What year is it? Exactly. Yeah, it's great. It's great and terrible. You know what I'm yeah, saying? That, but, that's the yeah. words I said, Jamie, when Ashley told. I was like, "That's awful and great at the same yeah, time." Yeah, yeah. And know? so she, you know, she she's amazing, and so I can't wait to see her when she comes back home. She's also amazing, and I just, I love her to death. I'm making sure I don't miss anybody because they will kill me. If we did, that's okay. We will have them on. We have to, you know, one of our missions here at Supercluster is to find more voices and to increase, you know, the diversity of voices in the space communication, science communication space. 
And it, you know, it sounds like the Black and Astro movement is is doing is doing that in a really focused way. And it sounds like the folks you have involved here are, are they're pioneers and forerunners in their fields. Oh, absolutely! And uh, it sounds like you have a really extraordinary organization going here. What's your big? What's a big goal for you all? So the goal is to make sure that we continuously highlight Black people within the space family. Again, going from Black astronauts, aerospace engineers, to Black planetary astronomers, to Black astrophysicists, to space politicians, if you want to call them, working in space politics. Space lawyers. Space lawyers, exactly. (laughs) Everything, right? And so we want to make sure that they're they're known. We want to make sure that we provide a, a home for them. We also want to provide resources. Because something right. that one That's thing really that important. I really that I one thing that I noticed is that when we have something for black folks, not too many of us are able to grab it or get it, or we may not even know. Well, yeah, because it. this all everything costs money, and that is another big boundary exactly. for minorities in this country. When the education system mm-hmm. and the internship system is built around rich kids, I'm sorry to have to say it so bluntly. Yeah, but it's, it's built. Yeah, it's not just the existence of the solution; you have to have no. access to it. You right. know, it's it's all well and good to put up a golden tower, a but no one can th- go what, in what it. What is a textbook? Seven hundred fifty dollars <laughs> now. Like what? Everything that you need to pursue an education is a hurdle itself, not just the education. And that's why and, I get uh, the PDFs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. oh, I mean, yeah. not to get on too big of a tangent, but I think we are we are seeing already the beginning of a sea change in education where people realize what the value is and what the value isn't. Because right. Right. Oh, like, yeah. you know, like you it's just alluded change. to, there's right. so many resources now that you can just get. And if you have you know, you either have the personal motivation to do it or you have somebody who can provide a little bit of structure against it. Mm-hmm. You can get that education without maybe dropping six figures. You know what I mean? Like right. it's starting to change people's minds. And I think if there's a way to find like the strong path for that, because obviously, you know, it's not a minor thing. I shrugged off that like, oh, yeah, find someone to give you structure. But that's like find an experienced yeah, professor yeah, yeah, to give yeah. you structure. Right. But still, long story short, I, I think you. I think you see what I'm saying here is it's like it can be done. And that hasn't really been true ever. Right. There's a lot more hurdles. And oh, that's absolutely. why we do. Po- that's why we do podcasts like this. And that's why we did the podcast. And I and a few others where we get kind of blunt about everyone's situation. And a lot of it is about communicating what we need too. it's like, Hey, y'all, like we need to put out into the universe that we need free educational resources. We need uh-huh. free textbooks. We need free access to museums. And I think we are seeing a lot of changes. You know, I'm a person that I didn't have the luxury of like paying my way through, you know, college or grad school. And I, if I could go back and do it and find a way to do it, I absolutely would. And I would never encourage anyone to, you know, not try to go to college or something. I just think that we as a society need to do much, much better about making sure that everyone has access to the same you know, playing field, because even that at a basic level, it's not there. You know? Education should not be a luxury. And I right. mean that like it it just is. in terms of the way I look at it, like all the way up to the top, you should right. be 
able to get, you know, aside from like materials, let's say you want to go learn how to build cars, maybe you got to supply some car parts, but like the knowledge, knowledge should be free as much as it can be. And it's such a, a ridiculous thing to make education a luxury. It's like, it's kind of gross to decide that. I, I, I don't want to get on a big Absolutely. rant about it, no, but like it, it, it shouldn't be a luxury. Yeah. It sucks, right? Like how I talked about, you know, the privilege in going to a parochial school, although it was in Inglewood, right? One of the quote unquote worst neighborhoods in the U.S. as they continuously blast us out to people that's really not that bad. But I could have went to public school, which I ended up going to public school in high school. And so for me, I didn't have, and it again, it depends on what we're looking at, right? I went to a parochial school in the hood. I did not go to one in in the predominantly white areas, like up there by St. Ignatius, which is up north, right? I didn't go to one one of those parochial schools where I probably would have had even more resources, right? I went to one that, you know, could do as much as they can because, you right. you know, it is what it is. But, and, and there's also a difference in that too, like this, like it's a huge, like, like just watching the whole di- di- the educational system dynamic, right? It, it definitely, for me, I'm, I'm grateful for having both experiences, mm-hmm. but it definitely showed how people view black education. Because if you, if you guys take the time out to go um, look up Chicago State and everything that we've been through as a school, we're still standing, we're still standing strong, right? And so, granted, we could have, you know, people could donate and I and I hope they do. And I, you know, I hope Kanye does something for his alma mater. But people. So Kanye went there. Yes. Mm-hmm. OK. Yeah. You better the lead there. I was like, wait, Kanye went there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, OK. I mean, uh, yeah, that's that's incredible. And yes, if hey, rich people out there. We do need money to go to school if you're listening. Right. And so, like, I sit there and I watch, you know, how other schools get so many different things in the state of Illinois. But then I look Mm -hmm. at how poorly Chicago State, the only black four year in the state of Illinois, is being Mm -hmm. treated. I watch that and I'm just like, wow. But yet we offer so they offer they offer so much. Right. I had the opportunity of going to Italy, Serbia, we visit France, and okay, hold on. all these other places. Hold on, hold on. Why Serbia? Why Serbia? Because we what were there. The... It was a conference, and so okay, I, I learned. Okay. I learned so much about the European culture, being out there yeah. in agriculture, and so you know, if people put more investments into you know resources, especially for Black students, low income students, this could work. It could, it could really work and we can see a difference and change in uh, a fluctuation in seeing producing more black scientists. And this is the problem that I have because a lot of students go to some of these schools and they have to drop out not only due to racism, due to harassment, but also money issues, which also is still tied into racism and white supremacy because it, it just doesn't... Ugh, I can go on a tangent on this one. All right. So, Ashley, uh, we're not going to tell our audience how old we are, but I'm going to say if you could go back and tell your younger self, let's say high school, one thing or warn them about one thing or give them one piece of advice, what would you say to your younger self? I would say to my younger self, 
Do not be intimidated. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, Ashley, I can't thank you enough for being on the show today. I mean, you're you're pursuing your PhD. I know that there's not enough time in the week to do that because of our previous guests. Thank you for your contributions to what we're about to do in the universe. I know that you are studying science. You're studying, you know, you want to pursue looking at exoplanets and looking at the atmospheres. Um, I'm pretty sure we could use another habitable planet. I can't speak for the whole human race, but I'm pretty sure that would be pretty cool to have another planet to live on or another planet to visit. So I'm very appreciative of your science and your field of research and how hard you work to make sure other people like us get into our field and can do the same amazing things and can contribute to human history. That's a really, really exciting thing. So thank you for being on the show and thank you for being you, Ashley. Thank you for having me so very much. I hope to come back very soon. You just broke that seal because it's always awkward when we have to ask people back because you're asking for more of their time. (laughs) But I'm going to be asking you back on the show. And I'm going to say it right here. When we're doing our James Webb coverage in a few months, we would love to have you be part of that, have you on the podcast. Maybe we can geek out over James Webb and some of that science stuff. Totally. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much, Ashley. No problem. No problem. Maybe I can get Caprice to come do it with me, too, because she she actually does JWST stuff. Oh, yeah. And speaking of, as we mentioned earlier, you will be hearing from Ashley's friends on our podcast over the next few months and uh, continuing on as long as we do this podcast. So thank you, Ashley. I'm going to go ahead and throw it to Jamie now. That's it for this episode of the Supercluster podcast. Thanks again to Ashley Walker and Robin C. Mangle. And uh, you can learn more about this and other great space stories at supercluster.com. And remember, as always, space is for everyone.